0: Left. Right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of SIP Talk. Today, we are talking about homelessness in the United States, especially in the big cities. Also talking about health care, mental health care, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You'll have to listen to the whole episode to hear our thoughts. Let me know in the comments that you're here. Give me a thumbs up so I know uh, you're watching this. It makes me feel good. I'll see you guys on the other end. This is SIP Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. like we are live this is sip talk episode 209 my name is justin Ugeo. out of my basement he joined by james the bosnator boswell philosopher professional referee bartender most exciting of all accountant who's uh <laughs> biggest handicapped said he's always correct james how's it hanging down there in sunny south carolina Man, it's been nice down here almost 80 degrees today Ah, fuck off, man. It was raining all day. I'm, I'm like, just getting over being sick, and uh, it, it rained on me all day long. I think I'm also getting blurry here. I don't know what's what's going on. Yeah, it's
1: too early in the cast to be that drunk.
0: <laughs> I heard you crack a beer. Um, we'll get to the topic in a minute, but I heard you crack a beer. I'm curious what you got there. Bush Ice, and I'm Bush looking ice. to find a
1: Bush Ice neon sign for the garage.
0: Oh, that's, you know, I think it's that's... really
1: easy to find a Bush Light one but bush ice is much harder
0: Mm. you don't want that in the living room you want that in the garage
1: like i'm completely retooling the garage we i sold my old pool table and i'm waiting on a new one and Mm. with the opportunity afforded by having a ton of space in the garage temporarily we threw out a ton of crap and like making the garage much nicer so that way we've got more space to play pool I set up like a little media station, like basically an old set of speakers and an old monitor. So like you can just plug an HDMI cord into a laptop, or if you've got your phone, you can plug the three and a half millimeter jack into the phone. And then you've got a set of speakers to play music. Cause before, like we were playing pool or hanging out in the garage. Well, the, the, the only thing that you could listen to was yourself.
0: Mm, and right. so now, now, you got, now you got a media setup. Um, all right. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so speaking of uh, your garage, today we're talking about homelessness and mental health, a very serious issue we'll try to make as light of it as possible, but also try to stick to the facts. We're going to be serious about well, it. Well,
1: we're starting with healthcare, actually, because it's like, what's wrong with America? And I feel like all three of these issues are related and it kind of flows. So we're talking about like our healthcare system and why it sucks so much.
0: So on that note, though, this is part like four or five of a series of what's wrong with the United States, how to fix it. Uh, we don't know that we'll get to how to fix it. But we're,
1: I've got some ideas as to how to fix some of these things. I got I
0: got chat G- GPT up here uh, with a with a question uh, in the chamber. So we'll, when we get there, if we have time for it, I'd love to ask chat GPT. But, but yeah, I think even the fact that we're having a conversation about it um, and sharing our perspectives, I think is, uh, is valuable. Just, uh, just, you know, it's, it's good to have conversation, you know, in general about this. So, uh, so you want to start with healthcare? Is that, is that fair? So,
1: yeah. Healthcare and just a quick statistic. Can you pull up the, that link that I sent and go to exhibit four and put that on your screen?
0: All right. Let me, let me share the window here. Uh, this private window because
1: in the United States I'll talk while you're working on that but mm-hmm. in the United States we spend more money per capita than any other country on the on the, on the globe and we have worse results than many other countries that spend less and like there's a lot of reasons for that so that one right there is I think the best so you can see that you've got this cluster of <laughs> uh, a variety of countries. Okay, so you got Netherlands, Norway, Australia, New Zealand, etc. And you can see that they're all kind of clustered around. And like as you go farther to, to the right on the graph, that's more money that the like more the country spending, spends. The more and then spending. the higher up is like the results that they get from their healthcare. So not only are we way lower on the on the graph than everybody else, we're way off to the right. It's it's almost like you can just say like who doesn't belong here?
0: It's a, it's a really great representation of spending does not, does not mean performance.
1: And so I think part of the problem, actually most of the problem in the United States comes from the fact that we have this kind of privatized healthcare system where the, the money that's being made in healthcare is not really being made by the doctors, but it's being made by insurance companies billing companies, and a huge system of bureaucratic red tape when it comes to the finance portion of it. Well,
0: plus the drug manufacturing companies. Well, yeah, you can also look and see, like, the same
1: prescription drug, literally exact same, even, like, the name brand. And you look at the price in the United States, and then you look at the price in, say, Mexico, and our price is, like, 10 times higher. Or you can look at something as basic as insulin, which costs, like, pennies per dose to manufacture. And when insulin was, like, when when they discovered the process to make synthetic insulin that had a huge, like, almost overnight gave diabetics, like...
0: A chance to survive.
1: Yeah. And when the people who figured this out realized what they had, they declined to patent it because they knew how important it was so like they, they chose not to patent it and not to get rich off of it because it was such an important discovery and now you've got some people who like the price of insulin is so high that there there are people like diabetics that will be rationing their supply of insulin through the month because like they can't afford a full dose so like they'll wait until it's an emergency to use any of it Whereas they really should be using it all the time as prescribed, but they don't because they can't afford the full amount as prescribed.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing about, uh, and, and I have mixed feelings on this, the cost of drugs and the, you know, the, the reason drug companies say drugs cost so much money is because the research and development stage of the drugs is very costly. So well, and there's truth to that. And, and yeah, and they, they need to have a certain patent period on the drug where they can recoup their money, keep the prices high. And there is a certain truth to that. But to me, it also really feels like toll booths, right? We, we do some work to the road, we put up a bridge, we put up a toll booth to justify and pay back the cost of that bridge or whatever it is. But toll booths never go away. I mean, I guess technically now they do, but now it's just uh, like, virtual billing or whatever you're still you're still getting told for it it's just you don't have to slow down anymore so well you could also
1: look at it as like things like where like the the cost of the drug doesn't really seem to have any connection whatsoever with like the research and development that went into it sure that there's these like novel gene therapies where it's like a million and a half dollars per dose or something and and a tremendous amount of work went into making that drug work i kind of get the cost there like but when you look at something like an epipen which is a technology that we've had for how long? 30, 40, 50, 60 years? I don't know, but like decades. There's no more research being done on this. This is like, we know how to make this and there's not really any advantages to like refining the process. Um, and those are going for like 300, like $300 a dose or something when they cost like a dollar or two to make. And like, there's no reason why those couldn't be or $20 and you're still got a great profit margin as the pharmaceutical company. Um, And like back to insulin. But I I think part of the problem is like going back to the history of how we got here. um, Like the privatized healthcare system
0: runs on insurance
1: and most people get their health insurance through where?
0: Their jobs, their employer. And with the majority of it being paid by the employer,
1: yeah. So people don't really know the true cost of healthcare because they're not paying it directly. Like they don't really see what the employer is paying for their healthcare plan. But the idea of having job job related healthcare, if you talk to basically any other country and say, "Should your healthcare be tied to your employment?", they would look at you like you just asked an incredibly absurd question. Like, should I send my dog to the moon?
0: <laughs> well, I I think that's because people... Outside of America, people don't have as high uh, health care costs and health insurance costs. In the United States, that the, the cost of health insurance just being so high that only an employer who's profiting off you just being there could afford to pay that bill.
1: Mm-hmm. And... The reason why health insurance got tied to um, like your job was back in like right after World War II, company like the economy was growing really fast because we were in recovery from a war. And so companies were struggling to be able to hire the people that they wanted to. And at the same time, like tax rates were really high where like today, the highest tax rate is, I think, 37 percent. In the 1950s, it was like 90.
0: Yeah. That now, was, you had to earn a lot of money to get there, but still, like, it, it got you were to be a dollars. Yeah, you, you, you weren't able to spend most of that money, and that's really where we, we, we yeah. see the concentration and, and of what, wealth right What now. happened
1: was, and, if
0: you're a company and you're looking to
1: get, like, the best workers, like, offering higher wages wasn't necessarily the best way to compete,
0: because they were if, being taxed on that, you know, higher wage meant a higher tax. They're not actually getting that much more in their pocket, right? So but incentivize them
1: what was so called cafeteria plans, so various types of benefits that were offered as part of the job would not be taxed. So, for example, like if your job had like a gym in there and you had free membership to the gym, that's something of value that's offered to you, but you mm-hmm. don't have to pay tax on it, and so. Healthcare plans were under this umbrella of cafeteria plans, and they weren't taxed. So a lot of businesses started competing by saying, we're going to offer really good healthcare plans, and that's our way of attracting talent. Because if we're paying $30,000 a year, which in 1950 was a lot, and if we were to offer $35,000 a year, but they're getting taxed 50% of that, that's not really going to attract a lot of workers. But if we were to offer a healthcare plan that's worth three or four thousand dollars a year and they don't have to pay tax on that and we still get the deduction. That's how they got workers. And well, that system really just kind of once once well, the companies listen, start doing it, everyone started doing
0: there's it. There's added incentive as well because you keep your workers healthy showing up on time and and working hard.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is back back when this system was kind of in its infancy, most of the insurance companies operating in healthcare were nonprofits, So they weren't looking to make money by being an insurance company per se, whereas now the vast majority of health insurance is for profit. So health insurance companies, just like any insurance company, have every incentive to deny a claim. Because you deny a claim, you don't have to pay out anything.
0: Well, a lot of the employers were not publicly held companies. And the insurance companies were not for-profit companies. So that really works pretty complementary. Um, and now it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So what else do you want to add on health care? Because I want to, I do want to transition into mental health and into homelessness because I got a lot so of notes quick,
1: homelessness. real quick, I saw, and I'm probably getting the numbers wrong here, but there was a conservative politician or a conservative columnist talking about how Um, like a Medicare for all or like a socialized medicine program in this country would cost about $30 trillion over some period of time, maybe 10 years. And somebody responded and be like, Hey, how about you mention the fact that our current system over that same period of time would cost 43. So like we're spending a ton of money and we're just getting shit outcomes. And that's because there's so much waste in the middle. And I'm not saying that private health insurance should go away entirely, but having a government-subsidized government subsidized or a socialized medicine system and eliminating the largesse and profit motive of health insurance companies and allowing most people to just go with the baseline care that the government provides. And then if you're really well off and you want private health insurance or you want to have a private doctor that you're paying for out of pocket, go right ahead. But... There's so many people like ask somebody, ask somebody like how medical billing works and look, see I, if you can get a straight answer.
0: I think we've talked about this before. You you know, I've, I've been to the hospital, ask how much something costs and they have no idea. And are, I'm like, OK, could you just look at it? Like I asked them, like, oh, could you tell me what this would cost? They go, oh, uh, yeah, um, I can't tell you. That. I said, oh, not a problem. Um, you can look it I, up. I don't, I don't mind. Like, I don't mind. Like, what do you mean you don't mind? I don't mind you looking up. Look it up, motherfucker. I'm standing right in front of you, like, and they look at me like I have three heads, and they're like, no, no, no. we can't, we can't look it up. What do you mean? We, we don't know how much it costs. <laughs>
1: Imagine going to any other store and pulling a product off of the shelf and saying, Yeah, I'd like to buy this. How much is it? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Uh, okay, I don't, I don't mind. Just uh, can you scan it. There's, there's no scanners.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, can I buy
1: it? Well, yeah, yeah as soon course. as you walk out the store, like, we'll charge you. Well, okay, how much are you going to charge me? Oh, we'll send you a bill in a monthly, like, and, and, and you'll find
0: out then. And also, that bill may not be the total bill. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, it's just funny because I've been there. I've been there a few times. No, it's completely absurd. You know what the number one reason for filing bankruptcy in this country is? Uh. Medical bill collection? I, I don't
1: know. Medical debt. Medical debt is the number one reason why people file for bankruptcy in this country. It, the entire system is, is, is entirely stupid, and it doesn't benefit... The only people that this current system benefits are the health insurance companies. And I remember like, when the Republicans were railing against Obamacare and socialized medicine, they're, like, like, they're trying to take away your health insurance. And I'm just like, does anybody like their health insurance? How is this a bad thing? <laughs> like oh no not my health insurance company.
0: Well I mean I think I think it was you know if I was saying hey you know everybody's going to get a free car and then and then I'm saying well you know they're going to take away your car. Um, you know you look like, well, this is a car I have this is a car I like this is a car I, I decided on um, you know uh, you know the issue is just people are losing the choice they're used to what they have they don't like change and they're fear they're in fear of a inferior product. And, I, you know, that's that's the biggest thing is that, you know, they're getting something for free, basically, but running the risk of it being inferior. And a lot of people who have health insurance covered by their employer, a lot of them have pretty top tier policies. So, you know, running, you know, and those are the people that are going to be a lot louder. Um you know, because they have something to lose, and I actually yeah, just they're also read,
1: the people that are more readily able to donate politically.
0: I just read a, a Psychology Today article, and I don't think this is news to anybody, but uh, fear of loss is a greater motivator than than uh, uh, interest uh, to gain. In gain, yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right, let's let's. All right, so mental, so mental health, real quick. Like for the
1: longest time, it wasn't until um, like Obamacare in two thousand nine or two thousand ten required that qualifying health health plans um, offered basic mental health services as covered as, as like covered things under the plan but before that many health care plans did not cover mental illness at all
0: well I think because mental illness wasn't something that was openly talked about uh, I you know I think I remember Maybe 15 years ago or so, the, the idea of talking about going to a therapist was like something you wouldn't bring up. And I was listening to a podcast today, and, and the, one of the podcast hosts was just talking about what she talks about with her therapist. And I just, I remember thinking to myself this afternoon, like, you know, that's just odd that you would share that one, you're in therapy, and two, the topic of your conversation with your therapist. Little, I still think
1: that's weird, but it's way more accepted today than it
0: would have been 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, you and I may think it's weird, but but yeah, uh, correct. So, you know, mental health focus just wasn't there a couple decades ago. And, and that's why it wasn't covered, because the focus wasn't there. It wasn't the people weren't having conversation. about. So as I mentioned earlier, we're not going to solve the crisis in this conversation. But having the conversation, bringing awareness to what I think does play a role. And hopefully more people will continue to talk about it. So, and, let's, well,
1: and that's one of the problems that's plagued mental illness
0: for a really long
1: time is, and, and we're better about it today, but so often someone would be like depressed, clinically depressed, and people's response to it would be, buck up.
0: Yeah. And it's, it, it that is actually one way to deal with depression. Um, but dealing with depression is, is, very complicated and yeah the, but the, just saying like get over
1: it like saying the problems are all in your head so you have you already have the tools to deal with it and yeah. just like tough it no. up that that was that was a very like a wide societal response to all sorts of mental illnesses for a very long time but but like it's have alcohol well, not yeah. a, funny joke. Not a funny, funny joke. replace one <laughs> mental illness with substance abuse.
0: <laughs> so, substance like, abuse another reason for uh, homelessness. We got to get to this homelessness, and oh, no, we
1: will, because the, the mental health, health, mental health plays right break, in.
0: I feel like mental health can be the bridge.
1: Yeah, mental health is the bridge because, like, we we start with healthcare and talk about why we suck at healthcare and why probably socializing medicine is the best. Like, if you look at all the other countries, like they have better outcomes than us than us and they spend less. What are they doing different? Well, they're not running all of their transactions through people that se- that seek only to profit by being middlemen.
0: I think the just the amount of profit in the healthcare system is is really the issue. Like just it, there's no there's no attention that's being drawn to like where the money's going and just the obscene uh, <laughs> You, you know my friend Adam, a couple summers ago, I was trying to get his attention. He was pissing in a bush. <laughs> so I threw uh, uh, something at him, and it, it whizzed right by him, but it, it, it caught the side of his head, and he's bald. So uh, he started bleeding. He went and got like three stitches, something like that. Um, it was We were a little drunk, being obnoxious. Um, he, he didn't get the stitches till the next day, but... Um, But they couldn't tell us how much that cost. It cost like $3,500 and then like another $1,800 after that. That just was billed out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And for three stitches. For three stitches.
1: You know who's not seeing a lot of that money?
0: The doctors and the nurse that did it? Correct. Yeah. Um, So So, like
1: doctors and nurses, by and large, aren't the enemies in this system.
0: Well, I mean, they don't do the billing, <laughs> so no. you, you can't put the blame on them. Because
1: even like, Ooh. if you're a doctor that runs your own office, like you're not a doctor in a hospital, you you run your own private practice for something. Like you're still not doing the billing.
0: All right, hit me with the, hit me with the mental health. We got to get it. So mental get
1: health, that. like yeah. So we we've sucked at, we've sucked <laughs> it. We've sucked at healthcare, <laughs> and we sucked at treating mental illness with our healthcare, uh, and we're we've gotten better about it recently. But I think when it comes to mental illness, and this is kind of the the bridge to homelessness, is the deinstitutionalizing of America in the, the 80s, where you had a tremendous population of people that were in mental institutions, which had their problems.
0: Well, let me, can, I, can I have some notes here? On, yeah, you on want worrying? to talk about
1: deinstitutionalization? Yeah.
0: Let, me, let me read uh, a few of my notes here. Um reagan and brown two of the most consequential governors in california so this is spe- specifically about california but it plays out for the rest of the country and also
1: california has like the biggest problem with homelessness so. and, and, and,
0: but yeah Cal- when, when we get to mental health in, in california the two are tied very closely uh but but reagan and brown uh two governor of california they led the state during the two most well-intended but poorly executed movements in the state's history. First was the deinsti- deinstitutionalization of mental, maybe it's too much scotch here, deinstitutionalization of mental uh, ill starting in the 60s. The movement started in Europe, uh, was supported by Kennedy, and ultimately it got complicated by a, a Supreme Court decision uh, about civil liberty concerns, over forced treatment so we institutionalized people and they were stuck in the institution uh and it wasn't on them to leave they couldn't decide they wanted to leave they were forced to be stuck in that institution the u.s supreme court uh weighed an opinion uh and basically concluding that if an individual is not posing danger to self or others and is capable of living without state supervision the state has no right to commit the individual to a facility against his or her will, it
1: makes me think of a quick story. Um, like three psychology professors tried this experiment, where they faked having symptoms of I don't know, it might have been bipolar or something.
0: I'm, I'm and yeah. and they they
1: they faked these symptoms so that they could get admitted to a mental hospital, and then after like a day or so in the mental hospital, they went and just like started acting normal to see how long it would take for them to get released. And it was a struggle for them to get out.
0: I think there's a movie ab- ab- about this, actually. Um, do you know how long it took them to get out? I think like two weeks. Oh, I thought it was way longer than that. I it might have been. I don't know. Yeah. I I, th- I thought it was a couple of years. No, it wasn't that long. Uh, well, maybe, I, I may be confusing this movie. I, the movie is in Spanish, I think.
1: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, like the idea of like, being stuck in a mental institution and like keeping people that shouldn't be in a mental institution there is bad. But at the same time, I think we can all recognize that there are probably some people that need to be in a mental institution.
0: Well, that's that's kind of where we stand with uh, the mentally ill and and unhoused in New York City. So this is so this is from Vern Pearson, who's the El Dorado in California County, uh, District Attorney. Just more on on so that was the. Reagan uh deinstitutionalizing mental uh the mentally ill. And then the second, uh, which is fueled by concerns about perceived mass incarceration, uh, and and this is from uh, uh from this guy, uh, and the reality that our jails and prisons had become the de facto mental health facilities. Uh the result it's well, still true today. It is. Well that's it's more true today because of, you know. Uh but the result is fewer inmates and significant increases in homeless and untreated mental ill on the streets. Uh, so uh, let's see, he says, I've witnessed this as county prosecutor, deputy attorney general and El Dorado County District Attorney. As someone with more than 27 years in the pursuit of justice, I worry for the people on the streets and the victims of their future crimes. The history of psychiatric treatment isn't pretty. Too many people were institutionalized for mental disorders, suffered abuse, neglect, and mistreatment. Governor Reagan signed the Lanternman-Petrus Short Act in 1967, all but ending the practice of institutionalizing patients against their will. When that began 50 years ago. California mistakenly relied on community treatment facilities, which were actually never built. Um, And the Lantern-Petrus Short Act made it virtually impossible to compel treatment prior to extreme decompensation. Uh, And that became uh, very clear with the number of mentally ill entering the criminal justice system, which doubled the first year after that was enacted. Uh, So, yeah, that
1: was one of the big problems of deinstitutionalization was the idea that we're going to take all these people that are in these buildings and unable to leave and we're going to transition them to kind of outpatient treatment where they live their lives and come and get treatment from time to time or as necessary. And so they accomplished the first half of that <coughs> by closing all the institutions, but
0: they never followed up on step two. But then these people end up on the streets. and Because they're it, not getting treatment. And they never they never followed up with the actual treatment centers. So then, these people didn't get treatment, started committing crimes, started going crazy, schizophrenic, total chaos in the streets, and then got locked up. Um, and then there was no place outside of the jail to keep them. Um, but uh, but you know, but now we have this cycle where these people get locked up and let back out, and uh, you know, it's not.
1: And it's not like jail is a great place for your mental health, even if you're getting treatment in jail. And even if that treatment in jail is good, being in jail by itself is not going to be great for your mental health.
0: I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, that, that's. I've asked this a, a few episodes ago, like, what happened to all these institutions? They just... They literally evaporated. I remember just about them. they just became uh, abandoned buildings. I've I've uh, talked about the movie Girl Interrupted before. One floor, the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, these places literally just disappeared. And and now what do we do with the mentally ill? Because the very liberal approach is you can't touch them. They have the right to be doing what they're doing. Um, the very right wing approach is lock them up, get them off the streets. Um, But there's really nowhere in between that that I can think of. Nobody's proposing mental health care facilities um, and especially, you know, effectively the forced treatment of of the mental health.
1: So in a conversation I had earlier this week um, talking about homelessness.
0: You want to quote Rosh just just because he. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Rush,
1: So, the the psychology experiment I was uh, mentioning is called the Rosenhan experiment, and Rosh says the average time that the patients spent in the hospital was 19 days. All but one who were diagnosed with schizophrenia in remission before they released. So, I was right at about two weeks.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking of something else. It was I, I'm pretty sure it's a Spanish movie. Uh, and it's like on Netflix now. I don't understand understand great Spanish, so
1: so. Like, if you look at homelessness, and and this is also mental illness tied into it, but if you look at the, the kind of the far left and the far right approaches to these problems, both really leave a lot to be desired. Because the liberal approach, I, unless you're super liberal, you're going to end up seeing that it's just way too permissive, and it leads to these huge homeless encampments that like, even in San Diego, um, I, w- I saw a article or a news story where where they were interviewing people on the street that were trying to get out of their leases of downtown San Diego apartments, because as soon as they left their apartment building, there were just homeless people everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. A couple blocks from where my brother lives um, is kind of like the main stretch of Ocean Beach in San Diego, where there's bars and restaurants and shops and everything, and at like 10 o'clock at night outside of a bar, like eight homeless people just jumped a random guy because he wouldn't give them money.
0: Like he wasn't doing
1: anything besides just walking by and like they, they asked him for money and he said no and he got jumped. And so like by being so permissive and not uh, not dealing with homelessness and just saying, well, this is just the choices that people make and we, we need to stop judging them and like let <clears throat> them do their thing. You end up with these problems where for the average citizen, Parts of the city become unlivable.
0: Well, I think, and I think that this is, this is where we're sort of drawing the line. We took the angle into this conversation uh, about homelessness from the angle of mental health. And we actually started with healthcare. Okay. But homelessness, as we call it, you're calling these homeless people attacked some guy in the street. But, but when we say homeless, it, it means to say, the unhoused, as if the issue is housing. Well, it is. Well, no, not the issue for homeless is is housing, but the issue for mentally ill who roam the streets and uh, and taunt passersby and play in traffic and lay down in the streets and sleep on the sidewalks and shit is, in the in the almost the, always those
1: people it's going to be either drugs or mental illness or both yeah,
0: they they shit in the the entrance to a building when to to a business because it's closed and and unlit and it's a private place to take a crap in the middle of the night um that's that's usually mental illness but you know, this is it's not new to places like New York City or Los Angeles or where your brother lives in California. It's also not new to many countries around the world. India is a huge example of an unchecked homeless population. Um, you know, it, but but more so in India, the ability to to rise up and overcome the homelessness issue, you know, is, is, is much more difficult. They don't have well school India, school.
1: The, the homelessness thing like India is the problem is pure poverty
0: well but they also because yeah you know, pure poverty because there's no social welfare system helping support these people once well, you and it's also, that-
1: you've got a huge population and just limited resources
0: and like they haven't
1: built up the infrastructure where like like the, their most recent prime minister one of his big campaign promises was building toilets <laughs> because so many people like just defecate in the open in india because there's no toilets so
0: that's, yeah, and but that's, that's why it's a developing nation, which we, which is the rebranding of third world country. Yeah. Um, but, but they don't have, they don't have a system to help these people out of homelessness, right? Whether these people rot or prosper within the, you know, within their homeless ecosystem, um, you know, even if they're prospering in that ecosystem, they're not making it out, right? You know, they could be the king of the block in their, in their homeless encampment, but, but they're, it's very unlikely for me, for them to make it out. But. Take the India homeless population and juxtapose that to the New York City or the Los Angeles one, whereas, ext- you know, the extreme highs of cost of living is not the face of homelessness. The face of homelessness in New York City isn't Sally, mother, mother, single mother of three, who lost her job at the factory, is down on her luck. And I'm not saying she doesn't exist. No, the, 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 the majority of homeless. The, yeah. But the face, that the ones that we see, those aren't the ones you see laying in the street. Those aren't the ones you see injecting themselves with needles uh, on the sidewalk in broad daylight at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in midtown Manhattan. And I'm not saying there's. I saw one once. I'm saying every day I can walk down the streets and and see these people.
1: Well, you know what I think it might be useful? I, I can think of, like, broadly four categories of homeless people.
0: Do, the, the, I just wanted to connect the, the end of my point, though, is that when you juxtapose India to New York City, the social welfare systems in New York City, the ability to pull people out of this utter poverty, should they choose, they exist. And a lot of money is being spent on them and, and arguably too much money. You know, we talked about health care too much money is being spent on health care, yet there's very little results. So much money is being spent on the homelessness issue. With very few results. Sorry, I know you wanted to. But, add so, I,
1: I think it's important to kind of make this distinction. I, I, I would broadly state that there are four types of people that are homeless. You've got I, the mentally I, ill. Uh, mentally ill. You've got people with severe drug
0: addiction. Okay. Substance which,
1: abuse. And, there's, and, and there can be overlap between these categories. But like, I
0: think I'm, yeah, I'm sure. I got a, I got a list here. So, so you got so, mental illness, substance abuse.
1: Um, you've got people who actually choose to be homeless because that's something that they actually want.
0: I think, I think that would be a fraction of a percentage.
1: Oh, I'm not saying, but it, and and then, and then the fourth category is people who have, who have genuinely had a really bad run of luck.
0: And let me, let me, can I give you my list? Cause it's, it's yeah. pretty, the last couple are in line with the last thing that you said, but mentally ill, substance abuse, untreated medical issues, traumatic events, uh, violence and abuse, lack of affordable housing, and difficult sustaining employment. So so yeah. really, the last three or four traumatic events, uh, violence, abuse, affordable housing, and employment would be what we are sold on as to be the face of homelessness. And that's, that's where well, we direct our efforts. But- I I don't think
1: that but so like those, the the last four that you listed, I would kind of put under the people who are genuine, like who have experienced genuine hardship or bad luck that put them in a homeless situation. And so of the four categories that I use, I would say that those are the people most reachable, because they're not there by choice. And they're not, they're, they're there by circumstances outside of their control.
0: The issue is when they descend into these substance abuse. Well, yeah. Or those susceptible to mental illness goes unchecked and they become more mentally ill.
1: So in in the conversation I was having about homelessness, um, I was talking about how difficult it is to solve. But very quickly, I came up with like a a short little plan as to how we would deal with it. If you you were to put me in charge.
0: Rosh did add that there might be a slight... uh, a percentage of that homeless population who have lost a bet. And that's why they're homeless. Like in the Eddie Murphy movie trading places.
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah. There's a... <laughs> uh,
0: Sorry. Go ahead. Like you,
1: you say that we spend a lot of money in, in New York city to, to deal with homeless. I, I think that the problem one needs a lot more money because I don't think that it's actually a housing problem so much. There's a lot of unused housing in this country. And, if we were to take money and be able to, and use it to house the homeless, like that would help a lot. The the other thing is, and I know this because I had a roommate that worked at a homeless shelter in downtown Charleston. And the shelter had a no drugs or alcohol policy, mm-hmm. which on its face makes sense because if you say we're here to help you and we're pr- trying to provide like a safe environment for you and others, then we can't have drugs or alcohol in here because being in this shelter is a privilege, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is with a lot, with a lot of homeless people and, a, and, and this is just kind of in general, when somebody has a problem, even if they're not homeless, like if you have a friend that you know has an apartment or a house but has a, is battling drug or mental illness issues, Like you need to be able to meet people where they are. And if someone is addicted to heroin and will go through vicious withdrawals within a day or two if they don't use heroin, then saying, we won't help you until you stop using heroin might be a non-starter for them. They might want to quit, but they're physically incapable of doing that right now. And so by having these really harsh policies of no drugs or alcohol, then you're effectively diminishing your outreach by a significant amount. And you're not getting to people who you might be able to get to if you met them where they were.
0: Well, but that's I mean, it's a it's a tricky line to draw, Um, but it's just having the understanding of of someone who's who's using. You know whatever substance and understanding where they're coming from but then also having the program to help pull them out of it but i right i but i i could tell you one thing that you you know if if we just poured a bunch of money and, and open a homeless shelter next door to your house you probably wouldn't feel great about that especially if that population was the substance abusing type and we we're like well we're gonna you know we're gonna give these guys a shot because i've seen these um these businesses, I don't know I don't know what they're called, like methadone clinics and things like that in New York City, which are programs to get people off of heroin, right? And uh, methadone is a treatment for heroin. And I see what that does to the immediate surroundings of that business, of the methadone clinic. And it's very detrimental. You have people selling drugs all on the street all day long. You have people hanging out on the street all day long. These are not good looking characters. Um, and you know you have lots of people who are on drugs showing up to these facilities. There's a lot of crime.
1: So going- you know what the solution to that problem is? Because I'm not I'm not denying that it is a problem. Because like if I owned a business and a methadone clinic opened up right next door to me, I would probably be like this isn't good. Um, but you're talking about how let's say that particular block rapidly declines because of the type of people it creates. So. Mm-hmm. And this is again like.
0: I think I know what you're going to say. I think I know what you're going to say. I'm doing a little research as you say it, but please go ahead. This is more throwing money at the issue things.
1: But if you open up one of these clinics and you know that it's going to be attracting, for lack of a better term, an unsavory populace to that area then you need to increase police presence and stuff oh, like that.
0: Oh, I knew that's what you were going to say. And I just found what I was looking for. The police precinct is on the same block.
1: Right. I I, I know I, I, I'm I aware of – like, I knew I was walking into block. that. And my <laughs> response to that is, like, not only do you need to have a police presence, but the police need to actually do something or, or because –
0: and that's and 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 i actually have notes on that because you get a you get a, a really good point because the police aren't doing anything right now among healthcare not working um among mental health treatment not working among the the what we're the money that we're pouring into the homelessness problem uh our prisons are failing the judicial system is failing and then law enforcement the system is vastly useless i think law enforcement i would say that law enforcement is not deployed nearly as well as it could be i would say somewhere in the 40th percentile and you know the way that i think of things is like the number of traffic tickets or benign uh citations that are issued from police um versus the actual crime that they're stopping and something i thought about today was I wonder how many parking tickets were handed out in the immediate vicinity of Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, the Mm. day the elementary school got shot up and the police waited outside because they didn't think they should send anybody in from the outside because enough people were going to die inside. They didn't want to add to the population of dead people.
1: Uh Talking about that incident would be an entire cast as to how terrible that day was for everybody.
0: But but think about the police action there. And that's
1: you know there, I, there wasn't much. You remember There's a lot of standing years, around.
0: You remember three years ago, I, I told the story in the podcast. I was driving to work during the pandemic, so basically everything was shut down. Crazy, crazy amount of homeless people on the streets. We're talking tents and just basically like on street cities that were built up of homeless people. And I was driving down a one way street, going the correct direction, went to park. And as I, as I pulled up to two cars and, and, and there was enough space between the two cars. So I pulled out and as I turned over my shoulder to look behind me, there was a man in a sleeping bag who I had just awoken and he got out of the sleeping bag and started freaking out and chasing me. And of course my bike was pointed in the opposite direction because i had turned to park i was backing into the space um so i pulled out and drove down the road the other way and then the police pulled me over and i ended up with two points on my license which also brought up my uh my insurance because i was this is a driving infraction worthy of two points driving the wrong way on a one-way street and i, I was pleading with it i wasn't pleading with the cops i was like guys like Crazy person chasing me! You didn't see this guy. Like you can't miss him. You just you look down the road. He's there in a sleeping bag, or he's walking away with his sleeping bag tucked under his elbow. And uh they did nothing.
1: I would have gone to court and fought that one.
0: I did. I did go to court and uh, and fight that one. And literally, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And uh, there, I would have said like
1: I tried to park, and I got chased away from the parking spot by a homeless guy. And like. I drove away in the direction my bike was pointed while I was trying to park. I had yeah. to make a choice between violating a small traffic rule or possibly getting stabbed.
0: Well, this wasn't a small traffic rule. This is a two point infraction. <laughs> yeah, I, I did go to court and I, I argued the hell out of it and I lost. Uh, and I was not, I was not a, not a happy guy. Mm. Uh, But, but but again, you know, this is, we're saying, we're keep saying, we're talking, we're calling these people homeless people. And, and while they are unhoused, they are not, they're not the, the, the majority of homeless people are people that are going to shelters. They're the, I think in New York city right now, it's like 60 something thousand people that sleep in shelters. Most of these people you wouldn't know as you walked down the street. A lot of them you may not know if you worked alongside of them, unless you were close, you you might be aware. Uh, a lot of these guys are, you know, they're down in their luck because they lost a job or uh, victims of domestic abuse, things like that. But again, that's not the face of homelessness that, that we're talking about right now.
1: No, but th- that's also not the problem with homelessness. Like those are the people that If they're going to a shelter and they're trying to get a job and they're trying to find housing and they're trying to make the steps to get themselves back on their feet, like that's a problem. But it's not the problem. The problem with homelessness is the people on the streets that disrupt you, that, that, that detract from your experience of being in a city, either visually just because it's not pleasant to look at like people in decrepit poverty or directly. In terms of harassing you and possibly assaulting you,
0: and so uh, so so how do we how do we solve that? How do we solve how do we solve the crazies and the mentally ill, which is really where our focus is? I just thought bring well, back
1: need- institutions, man.
0: I that's exactly exactly my thoughts. Um, bring back because institutions- putting
1: these people in jail doesn't help them.
0: Well, and they also end up getting let out of jail because they're just not mentally stable, and right. a lot so of them low-level infractions that are just. But not they're right.
1: not really the
0: people that you want in jail, anyways. Because,
1: like, they're just—I don't know—they're they're not prisoners. They—they need help, and they're not—they're not necessarily choosing this life for themselves. Because if they were to get treatment, they would probably make other choices, and so, and <clears throat> there might be some people whose mental illness is so profound, that like, there might not be much treatment available. But in that case, you put them in an institution, so that way they have a safe place to exist, where they can't harm themselves or others. And that's just a cost that we as a society have to bear of treating some people humanely. Because the alternative is we let them out on the street and they harm themselves and others, or we pay the relatively small cost to keep them in a mental institution and try and give them the best care we
0: have. But also, yeah, that mental institution is going to be a lot less costly to run than it is going to be to put these people into a prison system, which costs money. Uh, The court system costs money. The police system costs money.
1: And it also ties up the court system and the police system from
0: dealing with actual problems. Exactly. Uh, I think the issue with the institutions is having a, an agreed-upon metric for them to be released, and to have that be relatively transparent and publicly so heard.
1: Having institutions in the same form that they were in like the 1950s is not a good starting point. No, you because there's no,
0: in, transparency. And, just well, no
1: transparency. There's no transparency. The treatment of people in those institutions wasn't the best. Um, like, watch Shutter Island, which I know
0: it's fiction, but like it draws
1: on real world things
0: um, well, I think they treated the main character, the main guy pretty well in terms of the main guy
1: well yeah but that was the whole Not, movie no spoilers no spoilers <laughs> but, <laughs> um, like having a modern approach to institutionalizing people where like you get people that are experts on mental health together and put together a system where there is an exit path from institutions, but there are some people that probably just need to be institutionalized. And you, you might not, there, there are probably some people whose problems are so profound that they're just not going to make it out. And that sucks to say, but it's also probably true.
0: Now, now uh, on homelessness, and one thing I want to add before we go there, um, anybody who's watching us, whether they're watching us on TikTok or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, If you guys have not subscribed well you're really hurting our feelings we'd love to have you as a regular viewer and we'd love your comments even if they're mean we actually really like the mean comments so if you're out there you haven't subscribed subscribe follow us apple Podcasts, spotify any audio podcast platform youtube you get my funny youtube uh video artwork on a weekly basis love to see more of you guys um, and your comments, and we can see your comments if you comment on, uh, inst- uh, sorry, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We can see your comments in real time. So, institutions, I think you and I can both agree on as a solution to homeless, uh, to to the mentally ill being on the streets. Uh, in-
1: well, I've got like if I were to bullet point it, I would say one, it needs more. We need more money towards towards homelessness. Two a good portion of that money needs to go towards finding housing for these people. Three, we need to have more programs that meet people where they are. And four, for, we need, we need to bring back institutions for the people that are most severely affected by mental illness or substance abuse.
0: Mm -hmm. So when I told you earlier today that I was having thoughts on this recently, I had seen a post about uh, affordable housing in other countries and there were these micro apartments, which were just kind of uh, rooms with a single bed, uh, uh, a little sink, and, you know, like a TV or a desk. Very small rooms, you know, maybe. Uh, like two or three hundred square feet? Smaller, like 80 to 100 square feet, like like just a, a room size, uh, you know, eight by 10, uh, 10 by 10 rooms. And they were what we what we would call in new york city an sro single room occupancy buildings and those buildings are full of effectively individual single room dorms where they some of them have kitchenettes and they have a shared bathroom facility it, it, you know a lot of times not well maybe some of the times but uh, it's not always just a, a one toilet one shower situation it's it's a little more dorm style and and That sounds lousy, but you could also make it quite nice. You could add some privacy to the bathrooms. You could add cleaning services for the building. It's also
1: better than the street.
0: It's better than the street. And, you know, rather than taking somebody, what we did during the pandemic in New York City was we took these crazy ass mentally ill people and we stuck them in very nice hotels in very nice neighborhoods and they terrorized the fuck out of those neighborhoods and the, and the residents of the neighborhood. And, yeah, and think
1: about being an employee at one of those hotels. Uh, it was,
0: it was wild, uh, especially when like they started reopening restaurants and we started exploring, going out to eat. And, and, you know, a lot of the times we were sitting in the outdoor seating because they were building the outdoor kind of picnic areas on the streets for these restaurants. Um, and just watching what was happening on the streets For the first time because a lot of people were still especially the super early days of of the reopening a lot of people were still a bit reluctant to go out and eat at restaurants but the streets were still full it's just the streets weren't full with people doing business walking to and from the streets were full of just crazy ass people um yeah i remember watching one one night the ambulance came and and they took this guy off the street and then somehow he escaped on a wheelchair, and another homeless guy was like helping him running away from the paramedics. Right, so and it, I'm just it, there, it, and escaping my... on
1: a wheelchair. Like, a... how did you guys not catch him?
0: I, I I don't. I mean, he didn't get that far. We watched the whole thing go. You got half a
1: block. I mean, me, the only it's, way it's, you're it's escaping on a wheelchair is if like you're rolling downhill.
0: Mm. It was a, uh, it was it was a wild scene during those times, and that and it wasn't good. It wasn't. It wasn't cool to be, uh, you know, out on the streets eating dinner and, and watching this. It's a funny story now, but it's just like fuck. Like, is that is that really going on? Well, uh, just
1: because it's a good story doesn't mean it's a good experience.
0: And yeah, I got a lot like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of good stories like that.
1: Most of my stories.
0: <laughs> but uh, um, but I think the the, the real affordable housing. Uh, you know uh, you know those hotels weren't charging. Uh, the you know the city, uh, thirty dollars a night. They were probably still charging six hundred dollars a night plus plus meal and 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 other expenses. So <laughs> and the oh, eventual
1: well, damages.
0: Yeah, and the and the yeah the uh, the damages that were they were happening no matter what. Um, and oh, that's you cool. know what? I just
1: want a quick change of perspective. Imagine <laughs> you're like a heroin addict homeless person, and for the past two years you just sleeping on the street. And then this weird ass pandemic happens. The streets completely clear out, and then like one day, a police officer says, "See that five star hotel? You're going to be staying there."
0: I just, I you know the thing from the perspective of the homeless people, the pandemic was great because they just had total free reign of the streets. You know, I saw people like barbecuing. They had like ten. We don't have tent cities in New York City like they do in California. We had, like, blocks that were just covered in tents, people chilling out for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, unbothered. And there's a few drugstores that um, that I would go to just for, like, regular supplies, like to grab uh, some some uh, Pepsi Maxes or to grab, you know, some, some breakfast or whatever. I might, I might walk to the office. And regularly, these places were being uh robbed like hardcore just people going through with uh people going through with uh just bags throwing shit in there people just walking out vandalizing the stores yeah really bad so look there's a comment on the you know I was, I was hoping you would notice this but it looks like Elizabeth noticed this um the go go girl drink mixer um can we do we have we got about we got about 3 minutes left do we have we have time for are we good on this topic
1: yeah, like, yeah, we can we can we can go light for the last three minutes.
0: Okay, good. So look, so my my grandmother had a house in upstate New York, uh, and it was very much influenced by the '60s and maybe the early '70s. So uh, they had a bar in the basement, and I, you know, I have some not so vague memories, some pretty solid memories of this bar, and. I remember on the bar, so I was, I'm i building a bar in my basement and I wanted to draw some influence from something that I, that I know from my history and the 1960s type era bar really stuck with me. So I remember they had this drink mixer and I remember it being kind of like a fugly, hookery looking Barbie doll. And she just kind of, it was a hula girl drink mixer. She just kind of wiggled her hips. So I've been searching hula girl drink mixer for months, no avail. Couldn't find it. I recently found the Go Go Girl uh, mixer. This is it. This is it. I feel like that would be
1: um, very well
0: in place at the Honeywell. It would. It would. And uh, and I found it. So it was. It was two hundred and fifty bucks. Two hundred plus two hundred fifty bucks in, in new condition. This one was new inbox, like it literally her hair is perfect never touched but it didn't work they tested it it didn't work so i actually i actually got it working she's got a she's got a drink in her hands here um no no liquid in there and uh, and here's the go-go girl drink mixer in action Oh, hip thrust a yeah
1: hip thrust i mean it's not really gonna do a good job mixing your drink <laughs>
0: It's, it'll stop in a second, but she's got, a, I mean, she's, she's got makeup on. She's, uh, she's I think it down. Some
1: WD-40 for those gears.
0: There are just gears spinning underneath. I try to take it apart. I actually broke something. A screw popped out and some plastic fell out. I was like, oh fuck. And then I started to put it back together and accidentally hit the on button and it started working. So, hmm.
1: um, I'm open to suggestions. I want something hilarious as a neon sign for my garage like something that's just completely out of place. Like I, I saw one bride to be, and I was thinking
0: about getting that. The bride to be neon sign. Yeah. Um, we got to sign off on, on Instagram. You that are live nudes. We got to sign off on Instagram. I, I'll continue the conversation for just a minute, but our exit music is going to start. We're going to say goodbye to you guys on Instagram. So make sure you follow Thanks up. to Rosh
1: for feeding us your comments.
0: Uh, Make sure you guys follow us on the other platforms. Uh, and don't forget, we got Rosh Galeb feeding us, your uh, Facebook and Instagram comments. So adios, Instagram. Bye-bye, guys. Um, uh, pause our exit music. I talk uh, just while we're on air for for another minute about your – about your. so so we, we're kind of off the topic of homelessness, guys. Now we're just shooting the shit a little bit. Um, I'm curious, though, your thoughts for the garage. So you've got you, – you moved out the old pool table. What was wrong with the old pool table again? Remind me. It was
1: like it was a budget pool table. I bought it for a hundred dollars, and like it was a single piece slate, which oh, sounds needed, better.
0: You needed work done on it, though. Yeah,
1: I needed to replace the rails because the rails were all playing really dead. And I called up the pool. Like, there's a pool shop uh, that does like sales and service on pool tables. And I called them. I was like, "How much would it cost for you guys to replace the rails on my pool table?" And we're like well it's not just the rails we'd also have to like sell you the cloth because like you have to put the cloth on the rails and we don't sell cloth in just like rail cover amounts it's like one big piece of cloth that we then cut up to put on the rails and then the rest goes on the pool table so the cloth alone is like four or five hundred bucks and then like the rails we- the table huh well it's way more than that paid for you? the table yeah um so yeah, the cloth plus and then the rails would be like four or five hundred bucks, and then I'd have to pay for like the servicing on it. And it would have cost probably somewhere around like a thousand to eleven hundred dollars to recover and rerail my table.
0: And again, it was a solid piece pool table. Solid so it's a
1: single piece slate and the like the frame of the table was particle board. When it's old particle board, so it's absorbed a lot of moisture. So like parts of it were swelling. It wasn't like if you pushed on it, it would sway. And with single-piece slate, like, it's impossible to get it perfectly level. Because, like, if you push up on one part to try and get that part level, like, Mm -hmm. another part will move. So, like, the table wasn't perfectly level. And also, like, so the slate, what they do is, like, they machine it. So they take, like, a big slab of slate. And then they take, like, these grinders that spin and machine it down so it's smooth. And so the slate on my table, like, the grooves were pretty deep. So, like, if you rubbed your finger over the bare slate, like, you could feel the texture of, like, when it was machined down. And mm-hmm. that had the effect of making the balls run slower. Because even though the cloth smoothed out the texture of the slate,
0: like, yeah, the I balls probably. could
1: still feel it. And they're just running over all these micro grooves. All right, so,
0: so, you, so look, I, I'm curious what your proposed enhancements for your garage are. I was just just asking you briefly. Well, so, about, brand
1: so, new pool table. Well, not new. It, like, it's a used pool table. But this one's way more expensive and way nicer. But, like, my approach to decorating my house is kind of the same approach that my roommate takes towards tattoos, which is I'm only going to do it if it's funny or stupid. Like, I, I don't really care about tasteful. Or...
0: I feel like that's a bad approach to tattoos, but.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but it's his, his body.
0: Like, this is, all right. I'll, I'll, you know, you'll like this.
1: When he was in college, he got a tattoo of a strawberry on his butt. Like, on, like, his upper butt cheek? I don't and think,
0: yeah, I no, think No, 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 hold on. Me, I think you've told me this. The,
1: the scratch ahead. and sniff? He he told, he, he was at a bar, and he was hitting on a chick, and, like, eventually, like, got her to believe that he had a scratch and sniff tattoo on his butt. So he got this this tattoo for one joke in a bar, which did the opposite of getting him laid.
0: Yeah, clearly. I don't think, I, you know, I think if you're getting tattoos to, to be as stupid as possible or as funny as possible, the likeliness of getting laid off your tattoos. If you're getting tattoos to get laid, I think you've got your priorities. Right. So I'm not doing that with tattoos, but like if I'm decorating the house,
1: I want it to be funny. Like I've got, I've got a sign in Russian. And when you first walk in the house, I, I, sh- I remember showing you this like a year ago, um, because when, when Ukraine got invaded, like within the first month, one of the things they did was they like they oh, realized you have a road that,
0: sign. I know exactly I, what road sign you have. Yeah. Yeah. You have a road sign.
1: Yeah. I, I had a custom made road sign where I took a picture from like Ukraine's Department of the Interior, sent it to a company that makes custom road signs. And it says in Russian, translated. And it's got like the little arrows like pointing like forward, left, and right. And translated, it's go F yourself go F yourself again, and go F yourself back to Russia.
0: And uh, and this is in your living room?
1: No, it's when you open the front
0: door to the house.
1: <laughs> like, you're faced with a hallway to your left, a room to your right, and a small hallway directly in front of you, maybe about <laughs> 10 feet long. So the first thing you see when you walk in my house is a road sign pointing directions. And hey, go fuck yourself. But it's in Russian, so unless you speak Russian, you're not going to know what it means.
0: Oh, boy. But,
1: yeah, so, like, one of my, one of my friends was like, hey, can you remind me what, what your sign says again? I said, go off yourself. He's like, what, why? And I was like, no, that's what the sign says.
0: <laughs> so tell me, look, look, it's a sip talk. You're, you're building a nice nice kind of garage bar type situation. It's not a bar. you get got a bar in your, your living room, I think. Um, but I'm, I'm curious more. So you get the new pool table. You've got a little bit of a media center with, with some plug-and-play options. You've got a video option with a monitor. You've got some nice speakers out there. Um, what else? What else you got going on? You're it's mostly,
1: like, decorations to put up on the walls. And I want, like, weird or dumb things. Another thing that I want to get, I saw a picture of a, a – it was something in a coffee shop where, like, they put, like, a, a map of the world up. But it was, mm-hmm. like, all wrong. They didn't mean to because, like, whoever they paid just was, like, Whoa. We're, like we're, we're, like, New Zealand isn't even on the map. And, like, a whole bunch of stuff is mislabeled. Where, like, when you quickly glance at it, you're, like, yeah, that's a map of the world. And when you actually look at the labels, you're, like, like for example, New York is up in, like, the middle of Canada. Texas is all of the United States.
0: <laughs> oh, and, man. Uh look, and, so I mean that's not that's that's actually funny. I'd like to see the map. Um I'll, if you, I'll see if, if I you can find the link for
1: you. But like I wanted to find something like that of like something where like when you first glance at it, it looks fine. And like when the more you look at it, the more wrong it becomes.
0: I got but not the disturbing a, way. I got a coffee table book. Uh, you know, so it's a thick book. It's it's three inches thick, it's it's you know, 20 inches tall, uh 10 inches wide. And uh, it's it's a book, uh, the Codex, the Codex Seraphinus, or something along these lines, Rosh has seen it and it's written in a language that doesn't exist, that doesn't translate and doesn't make sense with these wacky, wonky illustrations and it's designed to be read and interpreted by an adult. Uh, for the adult to feel the way that a child feels who can't read, but picks up a book and tries to understand what's going on.
1: That sounds really interesting.
0: it, It feels like there's a narrative. It looks interesting and you're intrigued, but you don't, you're not quite able to like pick up on what's going on. And it's a, it's a really cool experience. Now that I've told you, it won't, you won't have that experience probably per se, but but I learned that after getting the book, and uh, you know reading the book, that's exactly the experience I had. It's definitely akin to click, like a, the,
1: click the link that I sent.
0: Four year old picking up picking up that book. Um, I, I'd love to see if I can screen share this one. So let uh, Rash is moving the text here. All right, um, uh, 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 let's see. Let me see if I can screen share your. Your image here. It's that. brilliant, really. <laughs> Korea, Japan, Australia, uh, India. Uh, it's a good map. India I like is it. Madagascar. Yeah. The, Singapore uh, India. is India. Uh, uh,
1: Paris is somewhere in Finland.
0: Yeah, this is good. I like this. I like. Uh, I like this. And where, where, where is this, a coffee shop somewhere? Yes. <laughs> Texas um, is north of New York. Mm-hmm. In Canada. Yes. And New York is all of the United States. <laughs>
1: and, and Canada is Greenland.
0: Uh, yeah, Canada is Greenland. I saw that. I saw that. Um, it's, it's, and, and then Asia is Russia, which Russia is Asia, but um, but most people don't think of it that way.
1: And then you've um, got the Arctic Ocean.
0: The Southern Ocean?
1: The, the Southern Ocean's a real thing, but oh, really? look at okay. the Arctic.
0: What am I missing?
1: The Arctic.
0: Is not it in... Arctic. Uh, Arctic. Arctic. Okay, I like it. So this is just a map for for idiots.
1: Yeah. So I, I want something have... I... like that to put up where, like, when you first glance at it, it looks fine.
0: I wouldn't have noticed anything. So. <laughs> it looks it looks good to me. Um, this, is, this is great. This is really great. Um, all right. On that note, uh, I'm excited for your uh, for your garage renovations. I'll be working on my bar renovations. Have I sent you any pictures? Have you have I shown you anything with this bar I'm building?
1: No, like the last I saw was like you'd like the wall stripped down and like you had the water lines kind of exposed for a bar sink.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's getting there very slow because I'm just very indecisive. So I'm not quite sure which actions to take. I took the, I, there's a the wall behind the bar. I was going to take out and build inlaid shelving. So yeah. I, so, I,
1: I like that idea.
0: I took the wall out and rather than going back the width of a two by four, it goes back the width of a two by two. And then there's a brick wall. So, so not, you can
1: do like partially inlaid.
0: That's that's I got a, I got a four inch board and I'm, I'm going to do a two inch inlay two inch out. But of course, you know, you run the risk of your back hitting it because now it extends out from the wall. But everything will be good. No worries, everybody. We're going to conclude this episode. I want to thank you guys for joining us. It's been a long episode. So uh, I appreciate your patience and your interest in our topic. Again, I want to thank Rosh Galeb for feeding us your comments. It's nice to have Rosh back, who's also in South Carolina. Now he's back in the real world, Texas. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, On that note, everyone, thanks for joining again. And adios. Letters. This is The Other End. Thank you for making it this far. If you made it this far, sounds like it's time for you to subscribe. So hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next time.
1: I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.